Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Well, hello, and welcome to episode 106 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here, as always, with Michaela. And Michaela, this week in the lobby bar, uh, you shared with everyone a drink, the Caparina, uh, from your travels to Brazil over this past week. But, you know, now you're back. We are back in the throes of holiday movie month. Uh, we're going to be talking about a tale that is just as dangerous, just as scary as last week's film, Die Hard. When we dig into, uh, you know, what happens if bandits are coming to your house uh, to terrorize you um, and uh, steal all of your uh, family stuff. That's what we're going to be getting into today. But before we do that, what have you been up to? Have you been watching anything good? Uh, you know, let us let us know what, what you've been up to. Oh, so I've seen a new film, uh, Slumberland. It has Jason Momoa in it. And um, it, I thought it was a Christmas film. <laughs> it's got Chris O'Dowd, um, Kyle Chandler, who is amazing. If you love Friday Night Lights, um, yeah, who doesn't? And uh, yeah, right. Um, and Marlo Barkley, who I have seen a couple of times in a couple of different things and uh, really enjoyed. That was a fun film. I, I don't know if it was like the most amazing film I've ever seen. It's visually mm. actually pretty cool. The effects are pretty neat. Um, yeah. And it's really, um, I would say, a good family, family friendly. It came out in uh, early November. So it's been around a month, but I just not got now got a chance to see it. And um, I recommend it. Okay, very good. Very good. You're always uh, you're always tuned in whenever a Jason Momoa film comes out. It seems like you're uh, um, you're you're dialed in on that. I don't I don't know. Or maybe it's the Kyle Chandler. Maybe that's who you're dialed it's, in it's on. It's much more the Kyle sure. Chandler for me than Jason Momoa, I have to say. But um, I will say this, this is one of his better acting films that I've seen. Uh, that uh, might not be saying much to some people, but uh, uh, he was in Dune. Calm down. He was in Dune. Calm down. Um, <laughs> okay. So, Fair so, enough. Fair play so, so, so that's enough of that. That's enough of that. But yeah, you're in Brazil for the week. I made it out to the theater twice this week, which is unprecedented territory for me, but I had to go and see uh, Glass Onion, the new Knives Out film. Uh, I was running out of time, so I went and saw that. It was awesome. I could tell everyone how great it was, but you're not going to be able to watch it now until December 23rd, so uh, just you know, mark that in your calendar. I also saw The Menu, uh, which I thought was pretty good. It was a little different than I thought it was going to be, but uh, very well acted, very well written, uh, very interesting story, real dark, uh, a lot darker than I was expecting it to be, but I uh, had a lot of fun with that one, and then uh, you and I uh, made it out to see the Fablemans. Uh, keep an eye on you know this feed and our Patreon feed, all the feeds, because we're going to be talking probably about Fablemans as we get closer to our uh, run up to the Oscars uh, here coming up. But like I said, Michaela, we are in the throes of holiday movie month, and that means talking about one of the all time classics, one of the best uh, holiday films around. You know, in terms of leaving your child at home when you're flying to France. So why don't we take a quick break, and we will be right back to mix up a couple of cocktails. Uh, you know, one for one for the real adult party and one for the fake adult party. And we're gonna get into all that stuff as we talk about Home Alone this week. So sit back, and we will be right back. So as Brian, you said we're uh, mixing up two drinks for this week's film. Uh, one is uh, got alcohol in it, and one is a non-alcoholic version for anyone who's imbibing uh, mocktails, anything for kids. Now this is a fairly adult mocktail as far as the flavor profile. So you know we we've got some substitutions and ideas if you really want to make this super kid friendly um, mm -hmm. for for those that don't need a lot of esoteric stuff. But for true mocktail lovers, we got the drink for you because I think you're you're gonna really like it. Um, both of these cocktails come from an article on The Bitter Lemon, and it's all about uh, Home Alone-themed cocktails and kind of a party. And th this is a thing that I think we have missed. Uh, my childhood yeah. did not miss out on watching Home Alone, but I have missed out on any of the Home Alone themes, uh, themed uh, parties. I have not been invited to one, and there's yeah. apparently a ton of stuff that people do. Um, they have like pizza parties and they make their own little Nero pizza boxes. They have tons of like booby trapped food things um, that look amazing. Oh, and so, dangerous. you know, next year when I am not uh, phoning in Christmas um, because I'm tired from traveling to Brazil, um, I may have a Home Alone themed party. But until then, uh, we have a couple of drinks that we can share with the world. Um, they're pretty good. They're worth 
um, yeah. sitting back and, and watching a movie with, that's for sure. <laughs> now I'm nervous about going to your house for uh, booby trap food, but but that's okay. That's okay. Um, I will definitely go to your house to uh, mix up these cocktails, and that is exactly what we did. So let's start with uh, the the adult, the full-blown uh, alcoholic, the the actual cocktail here, and that is called the South Bend Shovel Slayer, uh, you know, which is which is a really good name. You know, if you're if you're a little kid and you see your creepy neighbor, uh, you know, you might think that they are the South Bend Shovel Slayer. Turns out they're just a big giant softy uh, with a lot of good advice for you. But this cocktail is delicious. It's super simple. Uh, let's take it away. Michaela, uh, you whipped these up for us. So why don't you run through the ingredients for everyone? Sure. So uh, this is going to take an ounce of orange flavored vodka, uh, one and a half ounces of cranberry juice and some soda water or club soda. Um, and then you're going to garnish this with uh, like a slice of orange. And basically you just fill a glass with ice uh, put the vodka in, put the cranberry juice in, you can stir it, top it off with the soda water and put your garnish on it and drink it. Um, it's, uh, now the, the orange flavored vodka, um, this particular, uh, recipe called for Stoli, I think, or three olives. Um, mm -hmm. we didn't find that, but what we did find is uh, Effen makes a blood orange vodka, yep. which is very apropos because he's this, uh, the South Bend shovel slayer is supposed to be like this maniacal, yep. like family slayer. killer, like right slayer. Of, yeah. It definitely needed more blood and gore than, um, than just regular orange. So yep. that's what we did. And I have to say, this is a really simple cocktail, but it hit the spot. I really oh, liked yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. This thing was delicious. Now, basically, it's just a it's a Cosmo, more or less, right? It's a vodka <laughs> and cranberry juice. Um, you're diluting it because you're serving it over ice, and then it's got the the soda water, the club soda there to give it a little bit of effervescence. But I, I don't know. Effing blood orange vodka is going to be my new jam because that stuff was delicious. I opened it up, smelled it. Uh, it hits you with all of this uh, delicious blood orange flavor. Uh, it was so good. Um, and yeah, this came together really simple. Um, and cranberry is i guess uh, a flavor that we associate with like the holidays this time of year uh but this could totally pull double duty you could drink this right now winter time uh you know watching it snow outside sitting by a fire you could do that you could drink this in the summer because it's light and refreshing and delicious south bend shovel slayer uh you know maybe bad news but this drink really good news i think really good yeah and i i feel like um you know, the only the only critique that I really could give when we were drinking this uh, together was that if you if you needed just a little more punch, you could add another half an ounce of the vodka into it just to give it a little bit more of an edge. Um, it, it always helps if you use real cranberry juice. Um, that's important instead of like that mixed cranberry cocktail, because I feel like that dilutes the flavor a bit. Um mm -hmm. If you wanted to make this a little bit more spicy, you could do like a spiced cranberry and that would probably give it another flavor profile um, if you have some. Not sure how easy you would be able to find that, uh, not in winter. But again, this was delicious. I really liked it. Um, and because it's so easy, I'm definitely going to turn this into one of my weekly cocktails going forward because it also is really pretty. Um, yeah. It has that really nice kind of, it's like a peachy reddish peach look to it which is kind of fun for the holidays mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so uh give that one a try again that's the south bend shovel slayer and then the mocktail uh side of things we've got the wet bandit which is you know just as dangerous sounding as the south bend shovel slayer i think but this one is going to be non-alcoholic um we're going to go through the recipe uh tell you what we used and then uh maybe give you uh, some options here but what you're going to do is you're going to take a half a cup of kombucha uh they used the health aid jalapeno kiwi cucumber uh which i couldn't find uh health aid's a pretty big brand they have that in most of your grocery stores now it comes in that round bottle that's really cool looking um so i picked up i think uh, passion fruit was the one we ended up using um i also have uh done this with like the ginger carrot which is a little bit more uh spicy but uh anyways you're going to use a half a cup of your kombucha a big hearty squeeze of a lime wedge uh roughly a teaspoon and a half of agave nectar i totally didn't measure it i just kind of squeezed in uh just a little dollop into that into your shaker tin with ice shake that and then strain it uh, over some ice in your glass and then you can uh top that with a little bit of club soda if you need some more effervescence uh when you shake kombucha uh it's probably going to blow the top off your shaker because it is uh it's fermented and it's pretty effervescent so just be careful 
uh, there. Um, and then drink this and then enjoy this. Michaela, I was wondering, what what did you think about this? Is kombucha something that you drink uh, on the regular or do you like kombucha? I do uh, like I do like it. It's supposed to be really good for your gut health. Um, so that's, that's what of, the people that make kombucha would have you believe. That's for that, sure. That's right. Um, so we actually have a neighbor who um, makes his own. And so when he makes a new batch, he brings us over a couple to, to test. And they've only exploded in our face a couple of times. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to believe that it's a that it's a wonderful act of love and, and kindness. And rather than, th- than trying to give me a homemade bomb. Um, but they're they're pretty good. I, I don't mind the kombucha in general. And this was not bad. Um, it had the spiciness to it that I think would be good. It was much more of an adult uh, mocktail than what I would want to give mm-hmm. my kid. Like my my son did right. try it and he was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't think I want the whole thing. You know, he was polite about it. Um, I, I liked it. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of a booze hound. So I'm going to, I'm if, if given the choice, I'm totally going to do the, <laughs> the South Bend Shovel Slayer instead. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. And yeah, that was one of the concerns uh, we had. Usually when we do a mocktail, we definitely uh, run that by your son and he can uh, do some taste testing on that for us. Now, kombucha is a more adult taste. It's it's very kind of vinegary um, and bitter. Uh, kombucha, if you don't know, is just a fermented black tea, uh, basically. And then uh, you'll see a lot of times then obviously they're adding uh, some fruit juice and stuff like that to it to give it some extra depth of flavor and uh, kind of round that out a little bit. Uh, but we made this then again with just some fresh pressed like a strawberry lemonade. Um, I think doing like a fresh pressed juice as opposed to like a bottled juice uh, is really key here because you're adding the agave nectar for your sweetness there. You want it to be a little bit cleaner tasting. But if you have kids or you don't like kombucha, um then you could definitely definitely do this with just some fruit juice and you know kind of recreate the same sort of a thing yeah yeah for sure i mean and what we what we did was exactly that my son uh drank that and then asked you know like uh oliver twist you know can i have some more do you have any more is there any more mocktail left so definitely uh another option just like uh, Kevin McAllister's asking for cheese pizza. Um, I love it. So uh, yeah, so give both of those a try or one of those a try. Let us know what you think about them. Send us pictures, all that good stuff. But for now, Michaela, we have an early morning because we have a flight to catch to Paris, France. Hopefully we'll all make it to the plane. I don't know, but if not, then we will be uh, charged with protecting our house. So why don't we take a quick break and we will be right back to talk about this week's film, Home Alone. Spoiler warning for Home Alone. It's about a kid who's home alone. And uh, we're going to talk all about the things that happen. And if you don't like it, um, yeah, or if you haven't watched it and you don't want to hear all the things, maybe stick your head out of the sand because this movie's been around a long time. But in all seriousness, we're going to talk about all the things. Um, if you don't, if you're not ready for it, press pause. Go make yourself. You got three options for mocktail, cocktail goodness uh, earlier in this podcast. So go uh, fix yourself up a drink, watch the movie, come back, and we can chat about it. Yeah, if you've not seen Home Alone, uh, a I don't really believe you. Um, <laughs> so there, so there, I said it because everyone has seen Home Alone for sure. This came out on November the sixteenth, nineteen ninety. It was directed by Chris Columbus. Uh, it was written by John Hughes. We actually talked a little bit about this back when we did our John Hughes month uh, last year, uh, which was pretty fun. And uh, John Hughes definitely uh, lends his. Uh, his kind of tone to this and the setting of being in Chicago. Uh, so John Hughes through and through. Uh, this one stars Catherine O'Hara and John Hurd as Kate and Peter, our very forgetful parents, uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern as Harry and Marv, a.k.a. the Wet Bandits, and one Macaulay Culkin as Kevin McAllister, and he gets left home alone. He gets left home alone. Um, now, I, we're going to talk all about these things Um you know, this film uh, did so well. And now there's like four Home Alones out there. Uh, only the first two really count. Let's just be quick quick and clear wow. about that. Um, Revisionist that, history. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but this, uh, this film had so many star-studded um, uh, cast members. And I think all of them did really well. Um, and I did not know this, but uh, the... It, it was nominated for two Academy Awards, which was pretty cool. 
That's right. Yeah, it was uh, nominated for two Academy Awards. Uh, not the ones you would think of when you first think of Home Alone. Uh, but those two Academy Awards came for original score and original song, which was somewhere in my memory. And those uh, were done and composed and beautiful, of course, by John Williams. And I actually want to talk a little bit about uh, kind of the movie or about the music um, in this film. Uh, but before we do that, let's uh, let's kind of run through this uh, movie a little bit, and then we'll get into kind of the more legacy pieces of this thing, I guess. So I uh, kind of got this story. It's broken down really um, into three parts, uh, which are pretty good. So you've got kind of the family a dynamic here. We are at home. We're in Chicago. We see a policeman standing at the bottom of this very chaotic house. Uh, bottom of the stairs, just trying to find someone to talk to you because there's about 10,000 people in this very beautiful mansion on the north side of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, talking to all the kids and, and and counting them up. I think they're like 10 children. There's 10 children. There's like four adults. It's They're all running around. It's the night before they're going on a trip. They're looking for things like... Um, sunscreen and shampoo and they're feeding their tarantula and they're doing all these things the cop is very uh confused he's like hey i just need to talk to an adult who lives here and nobody's parents seem to live here they're the the parents that do are uh kate and peter as you said they're upstairs uh trying to finish packing um their son kevin is uh bothering them he's told to go pack his own suitcase this is kind of a daunting task i think for an eight-year-old i i don't know mm. uh my, my <laughs> son is just now learning how to pack his suitcase uh so maybe so maybe that makes sense but he doesn't know what to do uh and he's kind of the i don't want to say the black sheep of the family but you know he's got four other brothers or sisters he's got these five cousins that are there he's got like a like hundred cousins and brothers <laughs> yeah. and sisters it and... seems like there's uh there's just so many kids and so many people running around this house and yeah we're kind of uh loosely getting uh introduced to some of these people and yeah kevin i don't i don't know if he's the the black sheep of the family but he's definitely uh very vocal about his uh disgruntlement with some things right doesn't want to pack his own suitcase doesn't know how to do that uh the family's getting pizza delivered uh he wants his own cheese pizza uh he doesn't love a cheese pizza i do my favorite kind of pizza uh so yeah, I'd be upset too. And you know, your mean older brother uh, eats all that pizza and you have to room with Fuller, uh, who is played by uh, your own real life brother, uh, Kieran Culkin, uh, who plays Fuller. And you know, Fuller is over there. He's sucking down like a hundred Pepsis. And what does Fuller do when he has too many Pepsis? He wets the bed. All of these things are going against Kevin. They're rubbing him the wrong way. Uh, and you know, what is, that gets you sent to bed early with no dinner. Uh, and it's, it's bad news. And you say some things to your mom you shouldn't say. Well, I mean, as a parent, I think they were both. Uh, I mean, she says some things maybe to Kevin that you, yeah, know, that you shouldn't yeah, say too. I so mean, to be fair, to be fair. Yeah, they both get uh, real upset and they say things that they, they don't want to say, they shouldn't say. Uh, but Kevin is like, you know what? Uh, earlier in, in this, uh, he's like, when I get married and have a family, I'm living alone, which is one of my favorite lines of all time. Um, he's like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe there's so many people in this house. And then he says to his mom that, you know, he wished that... Um, he didn't have a family and everybody just uh, around him could just disappear and uh, jokes on him because that's kind of what happens <laughs> yeah, that, uh, because yeah. they apparent, I mean, and this part, I really want to talk about the way they set this up because there are a couple of things that happen like with the pizza when Kevin, uh, you know, Kevin's older brother, who is a total bully, his name is buzz and he is just awful. He like, eats this pizza on purpose, knowing that it'll get Kevin angry. Kevin like pushes him, you know, every, everybody starts to freak out because they get into this big fight. They spill milk all over the passports and the tickets. And that's how pass, uh, Kevin's passport and ticket gets thrown in the trash accidentally. So when they're looking through things the next morning in a mad rush, they don't see that uh, they have an extra ticket or an extra passport. And they've sent Kevin all the way up to the third floor to go to sleep. Um, so uh, he is not going to have to sleep in the bed with Fuller, but then they forget about him uh, when they wake up and, and they wake up because I guess there there was a light storm, a lightning storm. So everything got, um, all the power went out. And so all of their normal alarms didn't go off. This would never happen today because everybody is attached to their phones and all the phones have the alarms, but this was 1990. And so they're running like a crazy, you know, people all around the house. Um, there's yep. a miscue when they try and count all the kids and all the people, there's a way that that goes wrong. And so there's a lot of points of um 
failure <laughs> that are done uh, to ensure that the family leaves the house and uh, leaves leaves their cars there. They have a taxi service, so they leave the house. Kevin wakes up. No one is there. And so he really believes that he made his family disappear. His family, yeah, his family uh, did disappear uh, seemingly to a young Kevin. And yeah, they do they do a pretty good job of setting this up as to, you know, how this could be feasible. Uh, there's really kind of th three plot holes uh, really in this movie for me. And two of them uh, come right here. Um, you mentioned that they throw away uh, Kevin's passport um, and ticket, uh, which is fine. But yeah, there is a big winter storm. A branch we see kind of hit these power lines, knocks power out and telephones out. So the whole neighborhood, uh, that's important stuff. But this taxi service is coming to get them at the airport at 8 a.m. and everyone's still asleep. Um, I'm an early riser myself, but there's like 15 people in this house. You're not telling me one of those people woke up before 8 a.m. just on their own. Come on. You, you got to right. be kidding me. Uh, that, is, that is one. The other thing is uh, they do wake up late. They're in the rush. That is how they that's how they, you know, miscount. And, uh, you know, because their annoying neighbor kid comes over. He's being a, a total buzzkill. But uh, he's there uh, gets counted in Kevin's place. They get in they get in the vans. They're on their way. Uh, to O'Hare and I think that Peter says something that they have like 45 minutes before the flight takes off you can't drive to O'Hare and you can't even like walk through O'Hare in 45 minutes that place is massive uh, so so that's the other one 45 minutes get out of here uh, you're missing yeah. that flight a thousand times out of a thousand but that's okay uh, you gotta you gotta take a little bit of a grain of salt and yeah Kevin has wished his family to be gone so when you wake up and they're gone what do you think? You think that they they vanished? Um, yeah, you know they they didn't, and you know he is very skeptical of it. And I I kind of really love uh this this kind of introductory part where he's uh, home alone and he's like he's like okay no one's here okay I'm gonna go eat ice cream for breakfast and I'm gonna watch this movie that I shouldn't be watching and I'm gonna do all the stuff and eat all the junk food and get into my brother's thing and he keeps like yelling out he's like I'm um, yeah, having ice cream for breakfast you better come out and uh, stop me um you know all this stuff he's kind of testing uh, the waters so to speak yeah, um, yeah. and I really love kind of this uh, this first section as we get into uh, bachelor mode for Kevin <laughs> McAllister. Yeah, an eight-year-old bachelor. That that's exactly what it is. He's jumping on the bed. He's putting popcorn everywhere. Uh, I love the montage. But as the day goes on, um, it gets to be a little less fun. He has to do some laundry uh, in the basement. Basement's terrifying. Uh, now, to be fair, I I never grew up with a basement, um, and that that basement has like this really weird furnace thing that makes noise and talks to him and is like Kevin it's kind of yep. like house of Amityville um not 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 good it scares Kevin he wants his mom his mom's not there and uh uh that's that's about when uh you know it's like eight hours they haven't landed yet uh they're in first class the adults are in first class on a plane and their kids are in coach I mean I, I don't blame them because that would be ridiculously expensive I mean just thinking about it now with coach is ridiculously expensive but they're sitting there and she's got this weird feeling, the mom, Kat, Catherine uh, O'Hara. And she's like, oh, I think we've, we've forgotten something. We've forgotten something. And uh, John Hurd, who is the best Mr. McAllister that could ever that could ever have been, was like, no, it's fine. I, I left the garage door open. That's what it is. It's fine. And then she screams out Kevin's name because she realizes that he, he didn't make it onto the plane. He's not there. And this is the second big plot hole, I think, because even in 1990, right, we we can make a few exceptions for the fact that they didn't have to go through normal security like we do today because it was a long time ago. And, um, you know, you were basically just asked if you were carrying guns and weaponry on the plane and then they just let you on. It was no big deal. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Now you have to basically be switch, strip searched. That takes a lot more time. But in even 30 years ago, even in 1990, if they had some sort of event like this on a plane, I want to believe that the pilot would have made some sort of note and, and uh, contacted the authorities back in Chicago and they would have started to figure something out. But that does not happen. Um, basically, and, and this is probably my husband's biggest problem with this whole film is when she goes into this moment and realizes that she's lost her son or left her son and at home, uh, everyone just kind of gives her a glass of champagne and huddles around her and holds her hand. And Uncle Frank, who is a big jerk, he's like, well, I forgot my reading glasses. What are you going to do? And no one is like in, you know, uh, 
problem solving mode. They're just like, it's going to be fine. We'll figure it out when we land in three they're, hours. They're in a plane 40,000 feet above the air. What can you do? Nothing. You can't even call the police because that is exactly <laughs> what they do when they land. They call uh, because the, the phone lines are out in the neighborhood. Um, so you call the police and what are the police going to do? And, you know, this is kind of an agitating part of the movie, the way they respond. But I think that that is actually pretty realistic. You're like, oh, my my kid's home. Uh, could could you go check on him? Why is something wrong with your kid? I don't I don't know because I'm not there. Well, let's do this. And they end up doing a drive by. Kevin is a very responsible kid. He knows that there's dangers. Don't answer the door for strangers. Uh, so that's that's what he does, especially because, you know, there are dangers out there. Uh, you've got uh, you've got the police coming by um, unannounced. You've got your neighbor. Marley, uh, who might be the South Bend Shovel Slayer. That's what your brother told you, so we're scared of him. Uh, and you have these other two running around. Remember that cop that was standing in the house at the beginning? Uh, his name's Harry, and he's not a cop. Uh, he's a member of the Wet Bandits, him and Marv, and they're casing this neighborhood. Uh, he was there in the first place to figure out how to break into this house, which is a very nice house, has a lot of expensive things. So they're lurking around too. So, you know, Kevin is right to be be a little nervous. I don't see a plot hole um, with that at all. That makes total sense to me. Um, and it's, you know, it's Christmas Eve. It's in 1990. It's not like today when there's 10,000 flights. Uh, you know, everyone else wants to get home. You know, I'm not giving up my seat to you, lady. You're the one that forgot your kid. I'm going yeah. home on my own flight. Yeah, they get to France, and uh, I guess the McAllisters uh, have uh, another sister and brother who are in France, and so they're in their apartment or whatever, and the kids are all eating, like, shrimp cocktail, and poor the poor dad's, like, trying to talk to somebody in France and is like, what what is going on? Uh, but the mom, she doesn't even get, she didn't leave the airport. She goes right back to the ticket counter and is like, we need flight home. We, we need to, I need to get home. And they were like, I'm sorry, ma'am. There's nothing we can do. Um, but uh, they do end up uh, getting her on standby and she ends up doing a small trip around the world, right? Um, she, there's a wonderful scene where she is trying to talk to this old kind of grandmotherly lady, uh, giving her like her earrings, her watch, $500, her, you know, next born child. Like she's really trying to give everything she can uh, to get a spot on a ticket uh, on a on a plane uh, to get her closer and closer to Chicago because it's not as as easy as just booking a flight uh, right back where you came from, and uh, I I love I love it so much because she's in kind of her own adventure as Kevin is dealing with his, and you're right the Wet Bandits not not good guys not real smart guys but they are real funny guys uh, Joe Pesci and um, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Daniel Stern. Daniel, Daniel Stern. Stern yeah. He is a class of his own. I didn't realize, but he has directed some of the funniest, most heartwarming films. Um, he did Rookie of the Year. Um, he's done a lot of amazing stuff. So I, I love them together. Um, they call themselves the Wet Bandits because uh, Daniel Stern's character, uh, Marv, he really likes to flood the houses after they take all the stuff out. Um, probably not the best calling card, and we can talk more about that at the end. But um, so, you know, as they hit these houses up and down the street, they uh, they then flood it. And so, uh, which just adds insult to injury. So not only do these people get home and, you know, their house is completely trashed, but it's, uh, they, they've got a bunch of stuff missing as well. It's not not cool. Um, and yeah, you, uh, you nailed it right there. Harry and Marv, they are maybe not the, maybe not the best of uh, burglars, so to speak, but they are pretty funny. Uh, Daniel Stern is, is great as Marv. And uh, this was, I don't, I don't even know if I would call it necessarily like a breakout role, but people really at that time, I think, um, you know, we were pretty young when this came out, but I think people only really knew of Daniel Stern as being the voice of the narrator for the Wonder Years, right? For um, being being the voice of uh, Gavin in the Wonder Years. So um, yep. he comes on. They're hilarious. Uh, they're up to bad news. But, you know, the important part of the story, you know, we, we talked about Kate um, and her struggles. We talked about the Wet Bandits um, and what they're getting up to. But the important part of this section really is Kevin and all the fun he is having at his house, uh, living living life, right? He is breaking into his brother's room, getting into, getting into all of his stuff. Um, you know, he finds some firecrackers in there. Um, it's really, really kind of clever the way they do it. Um, Buzz, his older brother, has this big scary tarantula, um, and that needs to be broken out. So how do you do that? Uh, you have him climb up this bookshelf to get to uh, Buzz's uh, secret stash where he has all of his life savings. That's the money he needs to order pizza and go to the store to buy, you know, uh, American Dental Association approved toothbrushes. Uh, that's pretty great. I, I kind of love that. But yeah, I the section of the movie is so fun. It's so fun for 
for kids to watch because you know every kid has like this fantasy of like if i could do anything i want you know at home and be all by myself what what would i do what are the things i would do i would take a bb gun and i would shoot starting lineup figures in the uh, laundry shoot i would do that i would uh watch movies that i'm not supposed to watch i would eat ice cream for breakfast um but you know like like you said michaela eventually kevin has to do some things he doesn't like to do you have to do laundry if you're living by yourself you have to go out and buy milk um things like that at the store um and i i really just kind of love this progression of of kevin you know like i said kind of wading into the waters of being home alone and then the realization of what that what that really means for him ultimately and then you know what that means to be without your family um and it really gets to kind of kind of the the real i don't know kind of crux of this movie you think of it as like this mm -hmm. comedy action uh sort of thing uh but really it's not until he comes face to face with his neighbor uh old man marley um at the church and they kind of talk about you know the way that you know family is important you know and and being brave and uh, what it takes to keep that family dynamic going but yeah this section of the movie i think you know obvious obviously it's home alone it's kind of it's Kevin McAllister's Macaulay Culkin's movie, but that stuff, yeah, is all really fun. Yeah, absolutely. No, I really love uh, the first night because I think he only spends one whole night. So it's it's maybe like a 48-hour period that he's actually home alone. Um, but at night, uh, the... Wet well, I think it's, it's I think it's 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 two nights because he has he has he has the fake party uh, which is very genius uh, oh, yeah. of a kid where he where he has all the all the mannequins and the the Michael Jordan thing on the on the train going when Harry and Marv show back up to break into the house yeah. and he's having this party uh, yeah. which is great and then the and then the second night you know kind of the uh, penultimate where right. uh, he cre right. he creates this house of doom so right right no I yeah I really love. Uh, that that whole scene where the wet bandits are there and they're um trying they're going to try and case this particular house but it looks like the place is bumping because he's got music everywhere um and the way he set that up and he's kind of having his own dance party uh with with all of these things because he knows that that his house is being cased um doesn't call the police still don't know he, they said that the lines were still out and so maybe that's why um you know but also uh, you, you know, you do want this to be something that he solves himself. Another another one of the favorite my favorite scenes is when he decides to sled down his um, down down his stairs. Um, mm -hmm. Now, this is a this is a cool house. This this ha this house has a, a dual staircase kind of thing. It's got a front staircase that's very pretty. And then there's another kind of back end back of the house staircase that goes into the kitchen. Um, this one is very straight. It's very very um steep and he opens the door and he sleds right out into the front yard uh and it's amazing and um yeah the dynamic with marley the old man aka the south bend shovel slayer i love that um i love that whole scene um again the music is beautiful whoever scored well we know john williams scored it but whoever picked the actual music uh to add from a soundtrack perspective was also really smart because it's really pretty um the church is actually really beautiful and it's it's kind of this quieter it's not a religious moment but it's really like you said the deeper meaning of what this film is all about um and one of the things that i really love is when old man marley says you know you can you can be too old for a lot of things but you're never too old to be afraid and you're never too old to face that fear and so marley shared with him uh kevin that you know the reason why he's at church is because he uh, it's the only way he can really see his granddaughter he and his son had a falling out years and years ago and he'd like to call him and just talk to him but he's afraid and, you know, I love this because while Kevin is learning from him, Kevin is also teaching him, which is what happens uh, in life, right? You learn from these children uh, that are in your life one way or another, and then the, you you also get to teach them some things because parents and, and adults don't always have the answers, which is just a really nice layer to this um, kind of fun film that has a much deeper uh, heartwarming message. So uh, Kevin's got a plan. Uh, he's He says bye to Marley. Yeah. He heads out of the church. The bells start chiming. And he realizes it's time to go home. It, it and is. Start a war. 
it is uh it is go time yeah the the scene there with marley is incredible it's my favorite uh part of the movie like even way back when i was young i i just really love that and kind of the sentiment of it and then as he's leaving the church to go home uh john williams is going bananas with this riff on carol of the bells it's awesome and i love it because you get kevin kind of running through his neighborhood and you know all of the the houses like christmas lights on these uh timers that we've learned about earlier on or are clicking on like as he's running past the house and it looks super awesome and he gets home uh just in time to uh get himself a microwave dinner and set up the house uh you know to to protect us he closes the door must protect this house uh yeah and uh that's exactly what he's going to do so uh then we get to then we get to like the fun part of the movie everyone likes this part of the movie uh for sure uh a hundred people out of a hundred uh like this because he's setting up all sorts of fun little traps which is fun to fun to think about it's fun to see it's very kind of slapsticky and funny uh joe pesci um is a really funny guy he's very funny um in these scenarios um and uh daniel cern is funny in these scenarios for sure so michaela this house of this house of booby traps and horrors uh there's a bunch of them we don't need to talk about all of them but but what are some of your favorite ones if you are going to be keeping burglars from getting into your house which of these uh methods would you employ i mean calling the police i would i would call the police but uh, (laughs) yeah yeah. it's probably what i would do first um but pretend pretend you are eight years old right you've been left home alone what would you do you know, I, I, I gotta say, um, I think it's genius now. It was not my favorite uh, kind of growing up, but I love that he puts all of his micro machines on the floor mm. for people mm-hmm, to step mm-hmm. on because as an adult, those things are like little baby knives that go right into your feet. They hurt, you cuss, you you fall and they're running, you know, the wet bandits are running. So they kind of do this flying thing uh, and then they fall down. It's really hilarious um and he got the idea uh and i just realized this he got the idea from his dad because at the very beginning of the film he's like hey go pick up those micro machines your aunt nearly fell and broke and broke her neck you know um i love that one uh we got to talk about the big tarantula moment because that is just one of the funniest things i've ever seen still it still makes me laugh (laughs) Um, yeah, the t- the tarantula moment is pretty good. We'll we'll circle back to that. Um, uh, my favorite and also least favorite. You mentioned stepping on the micro machine, uh, hurt your feet. There's a lot of bad feet stuff. So stepping on the ornaments. Uh, but my I hate watching this one so much. Marv is going up the steps, which he's covered in like uh, roofing tar. Um, his shoes and socks are getting pulled off because they're getting stuck to this thing. And then steps right down onto a nail. Oh my gosh, that hurts so bad. Uh, seeing it. Uh, Daniel Stern lets out the loudest shriek. It sounds. <laughs> so awesome and i love it and i hate it it's terrible but but that's a that's a good one for me and then yeah the the tarantula the tarantula that's the best. um it, 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 again daniel daniel stern is the best at screaming i think uh, he sure. really is and i just i would love to know how they did this because um it's a real tarantula and they're they're fighting with each other and they're on the floor um and kevin um, is trying to get away. They've got Kevin by the boot and he sees the tarantula that um, was in his brother Buzz's room when he broke the shelves, the tarantula got out and uh, it didn't need to eat anything because it had just had a couple of mice or whatever right before they left. But he sees the tarantula. He Kevin grabs the tarantula and puts it right on Daniel Stern's face. And Daniel Stern lets out the best shriek I have ever heard in my entire life. I mean, I still, I still laugh every time I see it. And then he grabs it, uh, the tarantula, and he throws it. Now, you you never actually want to do that. Um, if it's someone's pet tarantula, you need to be really careful because um, it can really hurt them. Um, they're actually pretty, you need to be pretty gentle with them. Their, uh, their abdomens are quite um, <clears throat> soft. Anyway, um, so, you know, the tarantula kind of falls and is fine, but is, is on uh, Joe Pesci's character's chest. And so then, of course... Marv grabs a crowbar because that's that'll kill it. And this and he's telling Harry to like hold still. And yep. Harry is laying on the ground. He's he's kind of loopy still from whatever's happened uh previously. And he's got his eyes open and he sees Marv staring at him with this devil look and he's like, Hold still, don't move. And he's like, What are you doing with the crowbar? What is going on? And so <laughs> he ends up getting beat with the crowbar a couple times. Oh, it's hilarious. Oh, uh, so funny. I love it, and just the way, just the way Joe Pesci is uh, looking up at him, he's like, "What, what, are, what are you doing, Marv?" He's, he's so scared. And then, but yeah, ultimately, you know, Kevin kind of makes his escape. He does finally call nine one one, tells them that he's at the neighbor's house. Uh, he repels into the treehouse and down into the neighbor's house, but 
you know, ultimately, Kevin is a young kid. Uh, Harry and Marv are going to get the one up on them. They kind of kind of cut him off there through the house as he's wading through all this water that's flooded down into the basement. I'd like to think that the the water company might come and check on why there's like been 10 billion gallons of water used at your house. But um, but that's OK. Um, he gets there. Uh, they hang Kevin up on this hook. But luckily, just in time, our new best friend, Marley, not really the South Bend Shovel Slayer, but Marley does wield a mean shovel, uh, comes in and clocks these two over the head and day saved uh, just in time for your mom to get back. Your mom has made it, uh, flew from Paris to Dallas, from Dallas to uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Scranton. Yep. and is now in a van. With the Kenosha Kickers, I think their name is, yeah, uh, led right. by led by John Candy, and uh, John Candy is amazing. Uh, rest in peace, John Candy. Uh, just just a, a delight um, in this movie and in every movie for sure. Yeah, absolutely, it's so good. Um, I I really love uh, the whole journey that his mom goes through because um, at first she's just terrified that he's not okay. <clears throat> Um, then she's thinking about herself and the choices that she's made. And she's like, how could, how could we do this? Um, how could I forget him? Um, and then I, I love the scene where she's at the airport, uh, talking to this very scared, uh, kind of flight, flight, uh, administrator. And she's like, is there any way I could get on a flight? And they say, oh no, I can get you on a flight tomorrow. And she, she's like, no, 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 no. This is Christmas. It's a season of perpetual hope. And she's hanging on by a very thin thread, right? And she's like, I have been from Dallas to Ohio to Scranton. To, I, I don't care if I have to go out on the highway and hitchhike. If I have to sell my soul to the devil himself, I need to go home. And this is right when John Candy kind of walks in uh, and, and kind of saves the day. And he... He's so great. And what I've been told is everything, almost everything that he did was ad-libbed, um, which just makes it even more amazing, um, especially when he's talking about who he is and uh, all the all the. <laughs> all the music that he's made that like <laughs> no one's listened to. Yeah. And um, someday I'm going to talk about drink the movies, the way that he talks about the Kenosha kickers where, you know, she's like, I I'm sorry, who, who are you? And she's like, and he's like, Oh, I'm the, I'm, we're the Kenosha kickers. I mean, we did the kiss me polka and we sold 652 copies of that. They loved us in Sheboygan. <laughs> yeah. And, in Chicago. So no, in Sheboygan. Yeah. In Sheboygan, yeah, they loved us in Sheboygan. <laughs> Yeah, Gus uh, Gus Polinski and his uh, traveling uh, band there. Yeah, they they load up into like the back of like that budget uh, rental truck and are there playing. That would be so loud to play our instruments inside of a, a metal uh, <laughs> moving moving truck. Uh, but but that's okay. And you know, Kate has been through the ringer to get herself home. Obviously, feels bad, and she gets there uh, to see Kevin. Uh, he is safe and sound. The house is in order. Um, except for Buzz's room, uh, you know, which uh, much to the dismay of Buzz. But, you know, she gets back and, you know, she apologizes. And you have this little moment where Kevin's just kind of looking at her. But really, it's because he's a smart aleck. He is uh, thrilled to the nines to see his mom again. They go over and embrace, uh, you know, just literal moments before Peter and the rest of his uh, gigantic extended family uh, come through the door. So all that uh, all that trouble and turmoil Kay went through uh, was all for naught, although it's not any trouble and turmoil that I would think any mother or father would go through uh, to get back to their kid. Um, the other uh, plot hole, I, I don't I don't think any of these plot holes are really uh, that that important uh, for me. But, uh, you know, I'm from I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Ohio. Kate is from Chicago. Uh, and if there's one thing about people from the Midwest, we will drive any distance to go anywhere to avoid going to the airport. So all she had to do was get to uh, the continent of North America and she could have rented a car and driven. It wouldn't have mattered how long it would have taken. I think the uh, the drive from Dallas to Chicago is only like 16 hours. She could have done that. Uh, that would have been easy peasy. Uh, so that's the other one. So, but, but that's okay. I, I digress. I think, um, yeah, I think it's a, a really good story. And I think it has like this really, really good kind of deeper message beyond, you know, the fact that Kevin McAllister is home, home alone and, yeah, you know, kind of all sure. this hijinks stuff ensues. I think that, you know, a lot of people look at the movie just as that kind of surface level, but I think that there's a lot more uh, going on there. And I think that that's probably why it's uh, so well beloved. So let's, uh, let's get into that a little bit, Michaela. This came out in 1990. Uh, it was made for uh, just under $20 million. It made like $500 million, an insane amount of money. It was the highest grossing comedy um, until Hangover 2 came out, like in 2011, uh, which is a really long mm -hmm. time. That's a that's a really good return on your, your money. But do you remember 
uh, this nineteen ninety, Michaela, when I this do. came out? I do. I remember uh, seeing it uh, in the theater with my dad, and I remember. <laughs> um, my dad doesn't like films that make him cry. It really bothers him, <laughs> um, especially in a theater. But uh, we both had some happy tears at the end because he, uh, because of the, like you just said, there's so much more than just this, uh, you know, kid pulling over these these bandits. Um, the very last scene, it's snowing um, and Kevin is looking out the window and his family's in and they're all, you know, getting uh, unpacked and everything. Um, he looks out, Kevin looks out the window and he sees next door. Um, he sees a little girl who looks very familiar, uh, walking in, uh, to the house. He sees this, uh, what looks like her dad kind of shaking the hand of this old man. And then you turn around, he turns around and it's Marley and Marley's, uh, holding his granddaughter and it's just lovely. And he waves and it's just such a really nice moment because then you know that Marley called and talked to his son and it's just awesome. And look at me. I'm tearing up just talking about it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's uh, but right. That's yeah. why it's so good, because not only is it so hilarious and so funny, but it also really makes you feel that Christmassy feeling. It is definitely um, one of those films that makes you want to call the people you love. Sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, so going back to 1990, you know, I mentioned a little bit about kind of the box office returns on this thing. This movie was huge. Uh, like it was, it was everywhere. It was like the number one movie for for 12 straight weeks, like well past um Christmas when it came out. You know, it propelled. Uh, Macaulay Culkin went on to have like this this very crazy kind of child star career where he was making tons of money. It it really kind of. Uh, you know, propelled the careers. Uh, Catherine O'Hara now uh, we know as Moira from uh, Schitt's Creek and, you know, Joe <laughs> Pesci, who had had an excellent career. But Daniel Stern, who had been doing, you know, some like comedy and uh, those kinds of things, like I said, was narrating The Wonder Years, but went on to do a bunch of directing and other acting and stuff like that. It was it was this weird kind of time and place. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing uh, Kevin McAllister doing that scream when he put on that uh that brute uh, aftershave, right. uh, which doesn't really burn unless you've just shaved. So uh, <laughs> yeah. that's okay. That's yeah. a, that's okay. It was very it was very important. Brute became very popular in uh, 1990 again. It definitely had a uh, uh, some second legs from that. But yeah, you mentioned it, Michaela. There's just there's so much more to this to this movie because it's very easy to look at it. Like I said, on the surface level of it's this fun uh rompy thing where this kid gets left home alone and then sets yeah. a bunch of booby traps but there's so much more to it going on and part of that i told you at the top i wanted to kind of circle back to that part of that is the score from john williams which is fantastic is amazing um i want to know how the meeting went where they were like you know we're going to make this movie about this kid who gets left home alone and beats up some robbers you know what we need we need the guy that did Raiders of the Lost Ark. We need the music from that in our movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, like I don't, I don't know how, like how that meeting went to bring him on, but it's amazing and it's such a good like, like soundtrack of Christmas. Like, I, and John Williams, you know, is is the maestro. He can uh, elicit emotions that you never even knew you were capable of feeling as as this thing plays out, and it. it pairs so perfectly um, and really kind of hits at those at those tones, which is why it's so beloved um, yeah. you know whether whether you get hung up on the plot holes which is which is fine it's that's not that's not a big deal because that's not the important stuff here i don't think yeah no i mean i honestly i think if you uh if you get caught up in the plot holes it's because you're you're a you're scrooge um because this really you know the biggest for me the biggest plot hole towards the end um had i, I didn't even think about the fact that she could have just driven uh, the fact that the house is completely cleaned up without a mark um and like six hours before um you know he was he, he had tar and feathers and all sorts of stuff <laughs> roaming through the house um that's the biggest one to me um but never never underestimate a kid who wants to uh, to make Christmas morning happen um, and and have his family magically come? So maybe maybe that's maybe that's the lesson there. But um, yeah, I I absolutely loved the score. I think it's one of those, um, and we've talked about it. We we've, we've had the privilege to talk about it a lot because we've seen a lot of films with great scores. But this is something that if you hear uh, while you're out shopping or you hear on the radio, um, you're immediately going to know where it's from and, and it's going to, it's going to tug at your heartstrings uh, much the way that some, some of the scenes in the movie did. Um, 
it's so great. And it's worth talking about. Um, it's something that has lasted for, uh, gosh, 32 years now, right? So they did a sequel. Um, the only one that's worth talking about is Home Alone 2, in my in my opinion. Uh, and that's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. Um, and that, that, you know, we'll talk about Home Alone 2 maybe some some other Christmas time. Um, but that was really interesting because they had to figure out how to, a way to keep this going and a- actually keep it fresh. Um, yeah. But they they did do that. Um, they've had a couple of really cool commercials now that feature kind of the home alone house, which was in Winneka, Illinois. Um, there's a, uh, there's a Lego home alone house, which actually was my Christmas present to myself. It was an early Christmas present and I'm almost done with it. Uh, and it's amazing. Um, they have so many things now that are, are kind of, uh, entrenched in this movie and and have the foundations of this movie uh, in kind of pop culture today. And it's really cool um, to see that. Uh, yeah. And that's why one of the reasons why we picked it, because it's 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 an oldie, but a goodie. And it's it doesn't even feel that old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I feel that old, but this movie doesn't feel that old for sure. Um, like you said, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, uh, which was basically uh, kind of a reprisal of the same cast. Um, then you had Home Alone 3, Home Alone 4. Uh, taking back the house, uh, Home Alone, the holiday heist in 2012, and then just as recently as last year on Disney Plus, they had Home Sweet Home Alone, which was kind of a, a new telling. I think that maybe uh, Buzz was back and came back to the house. I never watched it, so I'm not 100 sure because, uh, yeah, the first two are are really really the bee's knees. That's what the ones you want to focus on. So, um, yeah, with that, Michaela, I think that that is going to conclude it for uh, Home Alone. It's really good. Um, if you've been listening to this, I mean, everyone's seen Home Alone. Um, generally, universally uh, loved, um, you know, kind of a holiday staple for for people and definitely a lot of, like a lot of good, um, you know, kind of coming of age type of stories. Um, this one hits on different levels as you age with it, which is uh, really kind of neat to do. So uh, let us know what you think about Home Alone at uh, your own home. Uh, let us know if it's in your annual uh, Christmas holiday rotation. And let us know if you make a South Bend Shovel Slayer or a Wet Bandit. Take pictures of them. Uh, tag the, us on all of the social medias. Uh, send us some pictures because we love to see them. So you can do that on our uh, Instagram and Twitter. It's at drinkthemovies and on facebook.com slash drinkthemovies. If you want to get the recipe for ours, that's www.drinkthemovies.com. Uh, make sure you are joining us on Discord. Uh, link is in the bio. You can come in. Uh, we've been doing a lot of chatting about cocktails. Um, been having a lot of fun over there. And uh, make sure you are tuning in to our Patreon because next week, Michaela, we're going to be talking about a Christmas story on the main show. But on Patreon, we're going to be doing our second uh, Patreon exclusive episode talking about a Christmas story Christmas. And we did a really fun uh, cocktail for that one. So you want to make sure you check that out. It's at patreon.com slash drink the movies. Um, and Michaela, you know, once uh, once everyone at home is uh, done listening to this, once they've made their South Bend Shovel Slayer, their Wet Bandit, uh, you know, they probably want to find more, you know, Christmas movies that we've talked about uh, for sure. So where should they do that? You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and Good Pods, anywhere where Anchor Podcasts are supported and distributed. Um, We have three Christmas season. This this is amazing. Uh, We we have uh, this is our third Christmas season. Uh, so we have a ton of Christmas movies that we've talked about. Um, if, if you're in the spirit and you want to get more into the spirit, we've done a lot of really amazing Christmas cocktails. Um, so if you're liking what you're hearing, subscribe for all the new stuff. We do two drops a week. If you want, uh, you can leave us a five-star review. That'd be amazing. Um, but all of our stuff is archived as well. We're at 105 episodes, so that's a lot of, and that's not even counting the lobby bars. So uh, that there's a lot of drinks out there. Check us out. Um, we're really excited. We're really grateful uh, to be helping build this community and support all of those who love films and love cocktails alike, and especially during the holiday season. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, make sure you uh, tag us and do all that stuff. But for now, Michaela, I need to mix myself up a South Bend Shovel Slayer because I got to get to the mall. I got to see Santa Claus about bringing me a Red Rider BB gun. Uh, so we're going to do that. And we're going to talk all about it next time on Drink, Drink the, movies. the Movies. This is it. Don't get scared now. I got nothing. <laughs> what? A, I said all the things I was going to. No, 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 This is Christmas. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. There's so many good ones. Oh, there you are. There are so many. Drop ones. the ball. Drop the ball. Oh, yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.